everybody, and welcome back to the Out to Be podcast. It's your host, Katie Zaccardi, and on today's episode, I am chatting with my client, Hope Litwin, all about investing and growing your business as a multifaceted music entrepreneur. Hope is basically everything under the sun. She is a songwriter, composer, performer. She is a teacher and coach, and she is an amazing human being. On this episode, we are diving deep into Hope's journey, starting working with a coach and growing her business, especially during a pandemic. This episode is on the longer side, so I'm gonna keep this intro short because the juicy info inside is something that you wanna get to right away. Before we dive in though, I wanna mention that Out to Launch is almost filled up and we start on February 1st. So if you've been procrastinating and you've been delaying and you're thinking about applying for Out to Launch, now is your last call, final chance. This is your sign, go apply now. Head to katiezacardi.com slash out to launch to submit your application to join a program that is going to take you from conception of your idea to sold out launch. Again, we start on February 1st and spots are almost filled. So this is your last call. Go ahead and apply. Once you apply, we'll hop on a call to make sure it's a good fit and then we'll get you enrolled in the program if it is. Okay, so let's go ahead and dive into today's episode with Hope. Hey, Hope, and welcome to the Out to Be podcast. Thank you. I'm really excited to have you here today. So for those of you who don't know, Hope is a client of mine. We've been working together for over a year now, I think, um, which is amazing. And she has just come so far in her journey as a musician and as a coach and someone who has a business helping songwriters write songs, record songs, and be able to share their music with the world. So today we're going to talk a little bit about Hope, what she does, her journey, and her experience launching, especially as someone who really was focused on primarily being a composer and really in the songwriting before and what it was like to kind of like let that business part of her brain show. So Hope, why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about who you are and what your background is and what you do. So I'm a composer, songwriter, singer, and music producer, and I did a lot of conservatory training, got a couple degrees in music production and technology and vocal performance and composition and then toured for a while and worked in studios and wrote a lot of my own music and collaborated with like dancers and films and things like that and was on a tour when we first started working together and then COVID hit. (laughs) Yes, very lovely times. (laughs) Lovely times. So I was living out of a suitcase. So I basically had an extreme pivot moment, which looking back on it now, it's amazing how everything, I think with your assistance and guidance kind of fell together. But um, I ended up back in Chicago. I was living in New York when I left on tour but my family lives here. So because we didn't know what was going to happen, it was just kind of like all of a sudden everything shut down and no one had any idea what the future looked like. So I just came to visit my parents in Chicago to kind of wait it out. And then I realized like, oh, this is like a long-term thing. Yeah. So my brother just happened to move out of his apartment here in Chicago. And I wanted a music studio to start making things in. I wanted to build my own home studio. So I just moved in under him thinking like, well, even if I'm just here for a couple months, it's still worth having my own space to build a little studio to make some music. And that's fine. And I've been here, I think, nine, 10 months now. um, And everything's still shut down. (laughs) So 
um, as part of that process, I know you and I worked together a lot on like how to build something sustainable. Cause I went from pretty much no expenses to a lot of expenses overnight with moving into a new place, building a studio, all that. And, um, I was teaching one-on-one, just some people who reached out to me on Skype to start making a little bit of money. But I realized very quickly that that was not sustainable because my vision for myself is not just to be a teacher. It's to be an artist first and foremost, and then to help guide people who want to do what I do, like walk them through the process so that they can empower themselves with the knowledge of that. But for me, first and foremost is always art making. So I realized like, okay, there's only 24 hours in a day. You only have a certain amount of energy. So let me figure out how to configure something where people learn, first of all, as quickly as they possibly can, these new skills. Because I was looking back at my own education and thinking like, there was actually a lot of wasted time. And if people would have restructured some of this information in a much more concise way, I could have learned that a lot faster and for way less money. So I was trying to build like... (laughs) a program that I wish I had when I was coming up for music production, songwriting, all these things, composition, arranging, orchestrating. So I started to build these concepts and you and I worked really quickly to get things off the ground because it was necessary because it was their time was of the essence or it was like, okay, I made this decision. I'm moving into this place. I don't know what rent is next month. So like, I got to make money, <laughs> figure that out. <laughs> And uh, I think the first thing that came together was I was talking to a couple friends of mine. I know as part of our coaching, you're often asking clients to like do their market research and like ask, well, who's your community and what do they need? And keep keep the focus on them. Like, what are they looking for? So I started reaching out to people who've been following me for a while and kind of telling them these budding ideas I had where I was like, well, I've worked in studios my whole life. I know how to produce music. I know how to write music and I came from a performance background. So I know how to work with musicians and that's a rare skill set to have all of those three things together. Mm -hmm. So I had this vision of like, well, now everyone's locked down in their homes all by themselves. And I'm sure a lot of them are realizing as they're building their home studio, all the missing pieces that are there with how to really create something on their own. And I realized that those are links that I had created for myself over the years, just because I, I think I'm a control freak and I like to do it all myself. Like I know my vision, I know what I want. And so I don't <laughs> want. Like I'd spent a lot of time as a teenager in studios where I would present ideas and then they're all male run. Like you can say that on this podcast. That, yeah. Don't worry. Like, listen, I, I know a lot that of dudes. Listen. We love you. Men who listen to this podcast, like we love you, but you will also know that like, we're here to call out the fact that like, <laughs> We have to freaking lift women up, especially yeah, producers. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's so male dominated that yeah. I definitely feel a passion for that. And clearly you do to really highlight women in this field. Yeah. I think I read somewhere that it was like 3% of all music producers are women. I'm going to have to check my source on that. It's just something that I read in an article and then kept with me, but I'll, I'll check my source on that. But it, I, I have observed that to be true. If not that, then a lower percentage. Yeah. But I think I have this need to like make exactly what I want to make and not let anyone tell me what I want to make. And because I kind of had that brewing as a young child, even kind of this defiance, I think it helped me just find the skills I needed and not kind of bow to like 
oh, well, we think you should do this or like, right. you know, things like that. And that started happening when I was in studios around 15, 16. What part of the astrology chart is this coming from? <laughs> oh, okay. This is for sure Scorpio rising, and <laughs> Leo moon. Um, but I have, I have a lot of Pluto in my chart. Um, I'm a Pisces sun. So that is kind of the, the wateriness. But I think that combination is kind of confusing for people because I think they meet initially like more soft, gentle. And then when they realize I have boundaries, then they feel like hurt by it or something. I don't know. It kind of comes out of the surprise like, yeah, collaborate. And then I'm like, yeah, but this, these are my expectations. And yeah. Like, oh, okay. Well, I guess this isn't wishy-washy. I'm like, no, it's not. I yeah. Have <laughs> I have a vision, but I do love to collaborate. So I think I didn't know what coaching was pretty much my whole life until I started I think I followed you first before you started even coaching because I had reached out to Women Crush Music when I was in New York City because I was just trying mm -hmm. to build as many connections as I could in the community. Yeah. And so then you started showing up with some coaching workshops and I was like, oh, what is coaching? And like, does that even, <laughs> does that even apply to me? Because like, in my mind, I was like, well, I have all these degrees and I've run all these ensembles and I've done all this stuff. And like, I'm just musicians are just poor and that's just how it is because there's no money for the art. So it's just very much ingrained in my head of like you either beg for grants, which I was sick of. I, I ran a, um, a new music theater ensemble for a while. I, it was a nonprofit group and our whole purpose was to uh, be like a experimental grounds for creating new lyric theater and what that looked like. So you didn't have to create something that was for sure going to sell out Broadway because that's kind of how those things run is like if you can create something that's for sure gonna work then producers will put some money behind it but it's very much like here's the template and then you fill in the template which is right. fine but it's not what I wanted to do I wanted to experiment more with like my own experience in new music and chamber music and songwriting and bring these things together in a different way but there wasn't really a place for that to happen even just like a physical space where people could meet to like do stagings of new lyric theater pieces. Running the nonprofit, I realized how backwards that world is. Like mm -hmm. people think for-profit businesses are fucked up. Like nonprofit business world is some of the most backwards stuff I've ever hard. seen. It's hard and it makes no sense because they're like, we want new, innovative, culturally like abundant, like all this kind of stuff. And then they're like, oh, but we're also 10 years behind on our paperwork and we don't know what is new. And we, and then they're like, yeah. we want innovation, but we want you to prove that it works. And I'm like, okay, you get to choose one. Like yeah. you either want to give money to people who are making new things that might fail, or you want to give money to people who are making the same old thing that has proven to work, but you yeah. can't have yes. both. Yeah. And if there ever was a, you know, a thing to look to that really just perpetuates the the idea that there's no money in the music industry, which we can definitely talk about later because I know you have things to say about that, mm -hmm. but it definitely is a nonprofit world because it's like, and the arts specifically, I mean, both of us, we worked for a nonprofit startup around mm -hmm. music and like, I know in my experience and it sounds like yours, it was like we were begging people for money. And, and for such say, small amounts of money, yes. so much work for being put in a pool, pit against all these other people who are, you know, sometimes like 20 years your senior and have been out way longer. And it's like begging for $3,000 or something. Yeah. And $3,000 when you get it feels like huge. But then you start and to it go goes so own... fast. It goes so fast. Yeah. So fast. Yeah. So, okay. So there's a couple of things in what you just said. You were saying you didn't know coaching was for you. So let's get back to that. 
You know, I think it was a last ditch effort, honestly, for me. Like, I don't think I had faith in it to, for real, but I think I was so up against the wall and I was so, so broke. Like I was gigging all around the city in different choirs. And I know when we first started working together, I got a gig singing at Madison Square Garden where they didn't even pay me. I was like, I'm singing at Madison Square Garden and I'm not getting paid. This is like the <laughs> ultimate bizarre experience of being an artist. It's like, you've made it and like you're yeah, still free. now you can it's for exposure you could say you did exposure. it like, <laughs> i know i know but there are so many experiences like that and i've i had been a professional in the music world for i think 15 years before uh we started working together maybe a little bit longer so it's it's not like i was like oh i want to learn how to have a, a life in music i was like okay i've had a life in music this whole time and how am i still broke like, yeah. how am I still, I kept thinking like, oh, I'll get this next degree. And then with that next degree, I'll have all these connections and that will like up the ante. And in some ways, I'm glad I did it because I kept learning and like putting tools in my tool belt. But at the end of the day, I was like, I'm basically living off a trade system where all of my friends are like, okay, you'll play bass on my record and then I'll edit your podcast just like all of these systems but none of us had of any money I was like fuck this like we need to figure out a way where we all can pay each other for stuff and stop living off trades but it's one of those things where you're the pool of people around you are all kind of living in the same way yeah so it's really hard to figure out how to get out so I think when I saw I think you were posting about like some free workshops or, or no you had a free like one-on-one -on -one call and so I hopped on that and I still didn't quite understand how it related to me, but I remember taking a vacation and at the time I was with a partner and I was thinking like he was in the finance world in New York. So I was like, Oh, I'm taken care of. Like I'm fine. Like this, but then things started going really wrong with that. I started seeing holes in that. And I was like, this is actually not good to have somebody who has the say over all the money or like, who you depend on but and then they just decide one day that they're not going to give you anything or like it i was like okay this is dangerous like it, all of my friends were like oh one day we'll just get rich husbands or whatever and then yeah. we'll just make our art and we'll have rich husbands and that'll be fine and so i was in the back of my mind i was like oh well maybe this is what's going to happen now is i'm just going to have someone who takes care of money and then i'm going to make the art but then i started seeing huge holes in that yeah. And there was abuse in that relationship, which kind of became more clear after it ended because I was so in it Yeah, that I really think the combination of those experiences, being so broke in New York City, having this kind of like, oh, maybe I'll have a rich husband and then realizing like, actually, there's a ton of abuse there and having someone hold money over your head like that is really dangerous. Yeah. And then meeting some person who's really, you were like random to me on the internet, really. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know, I didn't had no concept of like what coaching was or anything but I was like well here's something that I haven't tried before that doesn't have it's just a lot more clean of like I pay you money and you give me tactics and techniques to help me grow and it just felt so clean there was no like we'll trade and we'll see and like if you it just I was like if anything I lost some money on something that didn't make any sense and I learned what coaching was or something yeah. And um, I think we started with like a group. Yeah, I think it was the out to be first group. And um, 
pretty much right into that group, I decided to put together a tour. So we together built a tour and made that possible. I pretty much put all of my things into storage and just kind of went. So it was really helpful in that time. I'd gotten um, a big residency at the BAMP Center in Canada, which is a big deal to write for some choirs there. So I built a tour around that residency because I was already going to be gone for a month for that. And it was really helpful to have guidance, like being on the road by yourself is such a weird experience. I mean, I like it, but it was really helpful at that time, I think, to have somebody to Voxer and to connect with who who I could just check in with, be like, okay, I think I'm gonna do this thing, but like, this doesn't quite make sense. Or this person offered this thing to me, but I, I'm kind of side-eyeing it and I don't know why it's weird. But just initially having that kind of like a fact checker who has your best interest in mind really was really, really helpful. And then as, as the tour progressed and I started to build my idea of like, well, what's next? And then COVID hit and then I really had to start building launches for programs and building my studio and relaunched a single and then thinking about build, working on a new album and stuff. How would I describe coaching? I would warn people that it is what you make it. Yeah. Like I would hesitate to tell people like, oh, just go sign up with a coach and it'll all work out. Like as much energy as I bring to you, you will bring to me is what I've noticed. So like if I start kind of slacking and like my brain is off in the clouds, you're not going to like come find me and drag me to some place because it's ultimately where I want to go. Like, so if I'm not act being an active participant and like, here's my dream, here's where I want to go and then bring that to you and you'll give me a ton of like, tactical advice or sometimes just walk me through like some mental conditioning that will need to happen to make that thing possible yeah um but that's huge because I think it we were talking about this yesterday where I was like well I've spent so much time in school and in school everything's laid out for you where it's like in these 10 weeks you will finish this piece for orchestra and these are every week up until that this is what we're doing which is good to learn new skills but like you can also just learn that on YouTube or like on the internet. Like you don't need kind of someone to really be walking you through your own psyche and being like, okay, well, what, who are your people and what's your purpose and what makes you most happy? And like, those are a lot more self-directed questions. So I feel like people who are thinking about coaching, if you're more of a self-directed person who wants to build something much bigger than you, almost like your dreams scare you a little bit, mm -hmm. then a coach is a really good thing to have because you'll, by myself, I think I would have talked myself out of most of the things we've done together. <laughs> yeah. Or like stopped short. I feel like one of the big things that you help me with is I get so nervous that I'm like, okay, well, I already asked that person once, you know, I don't want to be rude. And you're like, you're like one person of 500 people that person has talked to in the last week. Just ask again. <laughs> like just the power know, of following up. <laughs> the power of following up. And like, I want to say putting yourself out there, but that's so vague. But I think it's about showing up. And I think there's a lot of mental conditioning that especially women have to do around showing up because mm -hmm. most women I talk to in music are, it's not that they're embarrassed it's like not worthy I think that's kind of at the bottom of it where it's like oh well what do I have to say yeah I don't have anything to say it's such a shame but it, it helps to have tactic tactical advice from a coach though because yeah. it isn't just like we'll just blast your social media all the time with literally everything you're doing instead it's like okay well let's zoom back what's the bigger picture what do we want to create and then let's 
selectively show up on socials in a way that guides people to that thing you want to help them with or guides people to that thing you want to share with them which is not always that straightforward like sometimes it takes a lot of going back to the drawing board yeah so I want to take it back to like March April of this year where you had gotten back from the tour you were teaching some students one-on-one and it's worth mentioning too that a lot of those students were students who had several different interests, which was really great for you because then it allowed us to figure out, you know, how can we create programs out of this? But you were feeling a need to, number one, make more money. Number two, get some of your time back. Because as Mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier, you're a creator first and like a coach slash teacher second. And I think that's worth mentioning and really highlighting because I know a lot of people listening to this, uh, it's no surprise this is happening. This episode is airing in the middle of our out to launch launch. And some of you guys might be thinking, I've been thinking about starting a Patreon or I've been thinking about coaching, but I'm really afraid that it's just going to take over my life and I don't want that to happen. So I do want to highlight the fact, and we'll talk about this a little bit later too, of kind of balancing both, but you were feeling like you really wanted to get your time back and not just be teaching one-on-ones all the time um, and be able to, like we said, increase your income and overall just like improve the, the quality of life you were living and be able to really grow with what you were doing and have the time and space to teach and to write and to explore other projects that came your way. So from that time until now, we have together worked on several different launches within your business. And within that came the creation of Sanctuary Studios, which is really like the umbrella company or business name that you operate these programs under. But I want to talk kind of of a sequence of developing those launches. And when you first started, it really was a launch of like, all right, let's whip something together. Let's bring that money in. Let's condense these students. Let's make it work for you. And it's since evolved from one that was a little bit more rush and, you know, arguably more in scarcity, but sometimes you've got to make that happen. You know, life happens. COVID happens. You got to, you got to do what you got to do. Two launches that have taken uh, more time and space to plan out have been much more intentional. And of course, it's no surprise your results as you've really fine-tuned the strategy and as we've continued to work together, have only grown since then. So can you talk to us about what it was like launching for the first time and really creating this vision for your business and your courses for the first time? Um, And then we can talk about what it's been like to kind of grow and learn from that. Yeah, I think first it's important to state too that not only was it like, how do I get my time back so that I can show up better as a teacher and like show up better in my art making, but I was observing that people make faster progress in groups. Like it's actually better for the student because I was noticing my one-on-ones were kind of like, they didn't really know what their goals were. They were kind of floating. They would keep showing up, but like there was no clear progress on the sum. But like, I just felt like, I was like, no, we can do better than this. Like, so I think that that's like another benefit of, you know, group launches and stuff. Cause it wasn't all like, oh, I want to make this amount of money. You know, it was like, yeah. I want my time back. I want to be able to afford a good space where I can show up, be healthy and consistent and all this stuff. And I want my students to learn faster and yes. be more inspired by each other and build some kind of a community where they see other people ra- raising the bar. And then they're right. like, oh, well, I guess I better raise the bar because she just raised them. So, um, but the first launch was Muse. I had this vision for, teaching women music production skills. And I was like, 
Well, that's something that I can put some kind of a coursework together. So let's start with that. And uh, I, I always feel like in those moments, I'm throwing spaghetti at the wall where I feel like I'm pretty good at messy action, but uh, it's really stressful and it's not like sustainable. But I would say with Muse, I think I got six people in that first course. Most of them were long-term friends of mine who had made music with me before and knew me really well. So it wasn't like a hard sell to be like, you don't know who I am, but here's what I do. It was more like people I've known for like 10 plus years. I was like, you're a musician, you're in lockdown now. Let me teach you how to produce your own music so that you can like make your own albums. And like, you know, it, it wasn't that hard of a sell, but it was a big transition for me to start presenting myself in that way and asking. I think that was the first time I was really someone showing up and asking. I don't want to say pushing, but it was like, it was definitely more assertive than I've ever been before. And keeping in mind that what you've mentioned before was you were in the business of like doing trades and undervaluing mm-hmm. yourself and undercharging. Super undervaluing. Yeah. yeah. And so this was a an opportunity for you to, well, it kind of maybe felt uncomfortable in some ways to get started, but it was an opportunity for you to be like, this is a paid program. Like you're mm-hmm. going to pay me for my time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and even people you knew that was, that was totally. change. Yeah, that was hard. I remember feeling really nauseous a lot. Like <laughs> I would get really hyped up to get on phone calls and then I would need like an hour and a half to come down because I was just like so shaky just from being, and it's so silly looking back because I was literally just saying like, here's all of this value I'm prepared to give you that, that cost me like a hundred times what I'm charging you to get this information. And I'm so ready and prepared to like show up in the best way possible. And here's this small amount of money I'm asking for. Was that okay? (laughs) Like, so fun looking back, like, but I don't know, I guess the only way out is through. Right. And then through Muse, I realized, um, kind of like what was working online and what wasn't because online teaching in that way with like big zoom groups was new. So I was thinking, well, what felt rushed and what didn't feel rushed and what, so I kind of adapted and I realized through teaching people music production that a lot of people were lacking songwriting skills, like some basic songwriting skills. I think because a lot of the people who were in there were musicians who had sung a lot of songs or maybe written one before. Right. They kind of had an assumption that they got it, but we were spending so much time on song structure that I was like, okay, this is a different course actually. Yeah. Like this is something that's going to take maybe 10 to 12 weeks to give people clear structure so that we're not spending all of our time in a music production class on the structure of songwriting. So I, I built a songwriters class and I, w- I kept thinking about ways that artists were sabotaging themselves in their own voice. And I work a lot with the artist way, which is Julia Cameron's like 12 step creative creativity workbook. Mm-hmm. So I brought that into the songwriters class just to start to bring in, it's not all technique. There's like technique and there's just like addressing some of the more mental and emotional aspects that go mindset. into what it means. Yeah. Mindset that goes into creating things and being a creator, identifying, identifying as a creator. Yeah. So we worked with that and that was so cool because I, I didn't know it was going to work. I was like, I know what has worked for me. So I'm just going to teach people what has worked for me. And I'm just going to stay really open and listen a lot and ask for a lot of feedback. Like we built together some of these questionnaires that people would answer throughout the course just to give me feedback and kind of stay in communication. And that program surprised me so much because so many results came out of it. 
everybody who went through that course had at least one completed song by the end. Some people had three and it was just a 10 week course. And I don't think anyone in there had ever written a song before. So it was like, I was shocked by the results. I was like, I know it has worked for me. So I think there's potential, but I can't promise it's going to work for everybody. But then there were like such incredible results that I was like, okay, this is a thing. We've now reached a thing where <laughs> whatever I'm doing is a thing. And there yes. should be like an umbrella that, because it kind of felt like I was holding space and I was like, oh, what is holding space? And I was like, oh, holding space is a company. Oh my God, I have a company. <laughs> <laughs> this and is then, a business. <laughs> this is a business. I didn't know what that was. Yeah, I think it's come like coming from being an art maker. Usually people are just hiring you to do something for them or you're in your room making something that maybe no one will ever hear. Or so, you know, you just yes. have this kind of mindset. So business didn't feel something that like, I identified myself with or that felt approachable for me. I was like, oh, that sounds like PL statements and like lots of graphs. Like, right. that's not my skill set. But then I started spending more time realizing like, you know, the better I do with finances is an only direct proportion to how many people I help get what they want. It's like a direct correlation. And there's kind of nothing else in that equation. It's like, when I figure out how to get more people in groups to inspire each other and give them the tools to create their thing, they benefit and grow and bring more people to me. And then I build a bigger business and reach more people. Yeah. Which then, and it, it seems so silly to like, how did I not know that? But when watching it happen right before your eyes and kind of the slow progression of like one launch, a bigger launch, an even bigger launch. And then people tell their friends and they start asking about when's the next one. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's so obvious. <laughs> <laughs> I think the reason why is because, well, there's a couple things with, and I've experienced this myself and I always want to be transparent about this because I know uh, I'll have clients come to me after I share something, you know, oh, I was experiencing imposter syndrome. And they're like, it's so nice to understand that you or to see that you go through this, too, because sometimes it's like you're just this yeah. like statue superhero doesn't experience anything. It's like, no, I experience these things. And that's what makes me a better coach is because I'm constantly overcoming them, too. And sometimes I'll get in this head, my head where I'm like, wait, is coaching like a pyramid scheme where I'm just like trying to convince people to pay me for this thing and then I'm paying someone to teach me how to convince people to pay them, you know what I mean? Like, but no. And then I stop myself and I'm like, no, 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 no. You are teaching people valuable things and you are teaching artists how to create sustainable music careers and make more money. And they're actually doing that. But it goes to show that at any level, you get this kind of inkling in your brain where you're like, wait, like, what is this all for? Am I doing all this just to make money? Or like, am I actually serving people? Am I actually, you know, valid in my teaching? Do I have enough experience? Like any of those questions can come up at any given time as a coach and especially during a launch. And it's really the skill that having a coach is valuable for to kind of talk you down and walk you through it or just like have the skill to be able to see in yourself, no, this is the truth. This is the reality. And that's just my brain going into fear. But the fear is really easy to, it's really easy to let that fear take over and dictate how you're operating and kind of like how you see the world and what you expect and envision for your reality. And we know our thoughts create our reality. So if you're letting the fear dictate like, 
yes, you are just conning people into doing things and you don't know what you're talking about and you can't teach things, then that will become your reality and you'll see that to fruition. But if you're able to adjust that mindset, then it makes the biggest difference in how you're showing up. Obviously, you want to make sure that you are teaching valuable things or sharing valuable things. And even if you have a Patreon, knowing that you're providing value to Mm -hmm. your um, patrons, you're not just like conning them to pay you to support your music career, right? That's the biggest differentiator there. But um, it's such a, it's such a big mindset shift that I think really takes launches from level basic to the really next level that most people want to be at, which is like an abundant launch, a sold out launch, and one where you are able to like really step into your authority as the coach or as the musician, as the leader, and be able to say, I'm in this, I know what I do helps people, I'm not afraid to charge for it, and I know that like if it's not you as a client, it's someone else. Yeah, I think too, that reminded me, like I have had people price shame me along the way because I was coming from like a group of people who traded everything or completely undersold themselves, you know, like, and it was really scary and it really hurt actually to like kind of to be the one I felt like in my group who was like, no, I think we can all do better and I'm going to start. And this is my new level. And I'm, you know, that helped really having a coach because you're up against everyone, you know, and then you're trying something different. It really helps to have like a voice on the other end being like, no, hold your ground hold your ground, you know? Yeah. And what I've watched happen over the last nine months is people, I mean, people make their own decisions ultimately, whether they want to stay where they are or move. But I feel like one of the greatest things about these launches and like kind of building a business and building a new level is watching how many people took my lead and decided like, okay, Hope's doing it. I'm going to do it. Like, and that is huge. So like some of the people who joined the music production course and then were able to produce music from their own bedroom studios and then make a ton of money during the shutdown because they had all these editing skills and stuff that they didn't have before that now they could get their friend group or people watching what I charge now for, I don't do one-on-ones anymore, but for a while I was like, well, I'm going to price up my one-on-ones and then try to get more people in groups. Right. And kind of watching my pricing change, watching my friends decide that they're going to diff- they're going to raise their prices. And it's so sad. You know, it's like people with master's degrees who are like, I'm charging $25 for an hour lesson right now. And I just, I don't want to charge anymore. I'm like, girl, you have a master's degree. You've been playing your instrument for 25 years. Yeah. You are one of the most badass musicians I know. You do not need to be teaching five-year-olds for $20 an hour online. Like, And it's so funny, like being on the other side of that and being able to be like, it's so obvious, (laughs) but it's really hard on your own if you don't have someone else kind of guiding you through it. And now that I'm looking at a slightly different level, like there's a lot, I think, to go for me still, but I I think I was really scared too, that I was like, is everyone going to become homeless just because they take music lessons with me, you know? And then I'm like, wait, (laughs) people actually make good living. Like not everyone is like a starving artist that can barely buy dinner. You know, like there are plenty of people who are paid very well for what they do. And it's like, it's just a huge mindset shift. And like, I'm like hesitant to say what I make now, but I make a lot more money now that I worked with Katie's Cardi. But uh, <laughs> before the shutdown, I would say before we started working together, 
I think I was making about 9,000. I made like $9,000 that year. And that was going to school and gigging a lot and teaching and like running all over the city doing like, you know, what you do, like networking, chores, blah, blah, blah. blah. Yeah. Um, it's very hard to live on $9,000 a year in New York City. Mm. That's like rent payment and a little extra if you're lucky. Yeah. I think I had one loan from school, but it was very small and got used up immediately. But that was like really hand to mouth. I had moved to Newark, New Jersey to take the train in so that I had super low rent. So I was like paying $500 a month to live in a bedroom in someone's house. Hmm. But it was like not a good situation and it was not sustainable. And I, I was, you know, I guess that's all to say that like my back was really up against the wall when I decided like, fuck it, I'll try this coach thing, whatever this is. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about your EP bootcamp launch, which was like August, September of this year because, or last year, because you, like we kind of said, you were experimenting and establishing and making really big moves that you'd never made before up until then. But then in EP bootcamp, that was when things like really took a shift and yeah. where you kind of really stepped it up another level of like, okay, this is going to be a badass launch. And I remember a really specific conversation where we were talking and you were like, I just feel like the well is dry. There's literally no one else I know that could take this. Like I've, you know, all my connections have been tapped out. Yeah, I remember a turning point, but I remember having a realization about someone who I realized had like actually really betrayed me. And I was like, so hurt by it. And I was like, in my head, I was like, I spent so much time being so kind to this person, obsessing over this person. Like what, what can I do to make them feel better? Like all of this, like years of my life doing that. And I was like, and this person just betrayed, fuck that. Like, I'm, and, and that was kind of the energy behind. And then I started showing up on my stories and I was like, look, people, life is very short. When are you going to write your songs? When are you going to do you? When are you going to show up as you and do what you love? Like, when are you going to put yourself first? But I think it was really like a message to myself too, because I was like, hope you hope. Yeah. When are you going to put yourself first? Like, why do you put so much energy into people who don't give you energy back? Like, what the fuck is that about? Why do you do that? And so I think I put that into my stories for other people. I was like, look, time is passing. Like, you're going to write your album or you're not going to write your album? Like, piss or get off the pot. Yeah. I think that's when people started signing he up. He kicked people into gear. And it was one of those moments where you, I mean, but it, we, can, we can't deny the like synchronicity of this. Like you were experiencing that in other assets of your life. And, and with that, getting frustrated about that and the launch and feeling like things were stagnant. And instead of letting it continue to be stagnant, you decided, no, we're going to step into this. And we're going to use this as leverage and we're going to show up and we're going to educate and we're going to, you know, do that motivational push that our clients need and your audience needs often when going into a launch or, you know, when they're when they're saying, what do I do? I'm on the fence. I don't know. I'm not really taking this seriously. And then you were able to like open a whole new door of leads that you didn't even know you had because you had kind of a couple of days before that just been like, I don't know. I feel like it's over. And it so was not over. Yeah, that's true. I don't, that's the, the one point I remember because there's such like an emotion behind it, but I can't remember then the series of events after that. But I do remember that there was a lot to learn. Like, I think there was some messy action in there still where once people were signing up, I was learning about contracts at the same time as I was trying to give them contracts. So I was right. like, oh my gosh, like 
Calendly appointments and setting up like feedback sessions and then like having contracts ready to go and all these kinds of things that setting up your PayPal to sync with your website. Um, all that happened all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So fast forward to now. Now you are in the middle of a launch right now or about to be. So yeah. we can definitely talk about like what's going on right now and how people can get involved with that. But how have things changed again, basically fast forwarding many months later to like how you feel like you're operating and how you're how you're really serving people and embodying this person who is able to be fully a musician and a creative and a really confident businesswoman, teacher, coach. I think so the EP Bootcamp started a couple months ago. I love the EP Bootcamp. I feel like I've just from what I've learned from the other group courses and the caliber of people who showed up, I think because it is a higher ticket item and it's a much bigger investment of time. It's like, this is a 20 week program and there's a very clear outcome at the end to write, edit, produce your own EP and have it released by the end. And um, I don't know, just everything I've learned about how much structure people seem to need and how much feedback they seem to need and how much time they need to like sit and marinate in what they've learned to be able to come back with something changed. Um, I've learned a lot about that process to really just support people better and like what that looks like. And it's slightly different for each person, but there is like a feel of a group. So I've been able to give a lot of attention to really making that a special process, which is awesome. And in the last couple of months, I was taking a lot of lessons um, because I was, I recently decided I wanted to do the February album writing month because I haven't been making my own music really, which was really bumming me out. And I'm like, okay, let's figure out how to put this in your life too. Cause it's very hard for me to switch from admin brain to creation brain. I feel like I just need one or the other on any given day. It's really hard for me to switch. So this is something I'm still trying to figure out is like how to now take the skills that I've been learning in admin, because as you and I discussed yesterday, that's a never ending list of things to learn. Like if you decide that you want to get really good at internet marketing or like get really, it, like there's so many courses out there and there's so much information out there. Yeah. You can kind of go forever in that direction. So I think because I was able to see how much you can do if you take things into your own hands in a way, like if you're like, okay, I'm a business owner and I create my own rules and I create my own structures and I charge the prices I want. And I do, you know, like I hire who I want. And like, those are so many amazing things to that side. But I think I spent a lot of time then in that world, like, well, what's the bigger vision? What, you know, building the idea of sanctuary studios and like putting all of the tax documents together and creating the, like the whole thing. I'm actually in a space now where I'm like, I want to get back to making my own music. How do I make that happen? So I don't have an answer for that yet, but my goal is ultimately just create more spaces of time where I'm not glued to the computer, which takes some foresight. It takes some replanning and like dedicated, when am I not on the computer time? <laughs> when am I not answering calls? Which is hard to do when you, when you do what you love because I love teaching these courses. So my temptation is like, Anytime you want to reach out to me, reach out to me. And I'm like, no, stop. Yeah. Oh, there's a Foxer message just now. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's to say, like, I'm still figuring out how those things balance. I'm not extremely upset by it, though, because I know every time in my life that I've upped the level in something, 
the balance has shifted. So balance is not static. Like if I decide I want to run a business and like have this huge new programming, then of course I'm going to have to adjust so that I can, because it, it is a lot of work. Like I, I wouldn't like just tell anybody to like, yeah, go start your own business. It's like, it's a blast. Like it, it can be, if you've figured out how to do what you love and you've really put the effort into like finding a support group, yeah, of your choice and really paying attention to the tactical stuff and really investing yourself. But it's a lot of force to put out. It's a lot of energy to like run through your body and your mind. I think that's the biggest thing. It's like the energetic output, which I don't think it diminishes anything. I just think that it's like, okay, here's my new level of energetic output. And now I'm, I want to match that with artistic energetic output, because I think thinking back on when I was self-producing and like releasing my own albums to kind of crickets. Now that I'm thinking about like creating this new album and I have a much larger trajectory in my head where I'm like, okay, it's not just about me writing all the songs, doing all the arrangements, recording it in the studio and then putting it on Bandcamp. It's like, I have a much larger vision for how I want that to reach people and how many people I want to reach with that. And like, that changes the amount of energy you have to bring to the table. Yeah. So it's not so much that I'm like, oh, I'm never going to make music anymore. I'm like, okay, I'm never going to make music anymore like the way that I made it, which was just a little bit more me alone in my room, not worried if anyone saw it ever. I was like, I need to have bigger dreams for myself. So it that's the shift that's happening now. And that's what I'm trying to figure out what that means and what that looks like. And I think it's going to be a lot easier to do with the information I now have, but it's just kind of adjusting, which I don't, I don't have the answer for yet, but my plan is in February to kind of have like a album writing month for myself. Yeah. Yeah. And really dive deep into that. So as we start to wrap up, if you could give one word of wisdom or piece of advice to someone who's listening to this right now and is thinking like, I feel like I am ready to like go all in with my Patreon or I really want to start this coaching program or start to like fill out my teaching studio and I really want to do it. But like, I don't know. I don't know if I should join out to launch. I don't know if I should get support. I don't know if I should just do it by my own and take messy action. What would your advice be? Um, My observation is that you're only as strong as the team you build. Like, and I'm someone who, so I would say build your army whatever you think that can be. Maybe you're someone who like uh, doesn't feel good about group coaching, but wants one-on-one coaching or whatever. Yeah. Fine. Know that about yourself, but like you need a team. You will not make it alone. Like that's been my observation. And I haven't seen, I have yet to see someone do it all on their own. Everyone I've seen who's had massive success has built very carefully their team around them. And I would say, don't build your team with just like, oh, maybe here today, gone tomorrow. Build a team of people that you're like, I want you in my corner for a long time. Yeah. Even if we don't like work together one-on-one for 10 years or something, I want to build a real relationship. And I think I would say, especially as women, we tend to think that way with romantic partners, but we don't think that way about our own businesses, which is such a shame. Like the amount of energy we put into like making sure that our relationships are taken care of and watered and fostered. And then when it comes to our business, we're just like, Oh yeah, I'll just do it on my own on the weekend. It's like, no, you won't. You need an army. Yes. (laughs) I've been thinking about this too. It's so tough to give people advice on like what you should do, 
but like, because everyone is so different in their desires, but if you are, and I, I think you do attract women who are like, no, I'm fed up with like, just hanging out. Like I really want to take the next step. Yeah. Then I did a kind of like a cost benefit analysis in my head where I was like, what's the worst that can happen? That's how I convinced myself. Honestly, I saw some testimonials of people who had worked with you that were like raving. And then I was like, okay, hope what's the worst that happens? Like, I spend this amount of money and then I can make that back by doing this, this, and this. People who are scared just think, do you have big dreams? If so, you won't do it alone. You'll just keep putting it off and putting it off and making excuses for like, oh, not this year, but next year I'm going to. And then that's going to happen forever. Yeah. All of my friends who've been in that mindset are still in that mindset 10 years later. If we went to undergrad together, they're still doing that. Oh yeah, next year I'm going to put out my album. No, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> you're not. Off like, the pot. <laughs> you don't, yeah, you don't have enough people in your team to be able to leverage that kind of energy to make that happen. It's just not going to happen. And I think, like, especially with launches and things like that, it you have to generate so much energy. And, like, if you don't have other people around you, then how are you going to do that on your – Yeah, like, it's hard to take all of that – on by yourself. Just like you were saying earlier with how your students grow more in a group, I think that you as an entrepreneur also grow more when you're surrounded by people because it is about, just like that saying, you know, you are a combination of the five people you surround yourself with. Now it Mm -hmm. does take a, a decision in how you're going to internalize that, right? Like, are you gonna get down on yourself because people are, have more money than you or like you think you're always going to be the broke one or whatever or are you going to use this as motivation to surround yourself with people who you strive to be like and work towards and who pull you up instead of dragging yourself down and it is scary like I think some people are looking for like oh well promise me it's going to work and there's like no promises right and I know when I signed up for the mastermind like I threw up (laughs) I was really scared yeah I was really scared because I was like this is more money than I've ever spent this could completely go wrong. Like I have no promises. I've worked with you before. So I know that you're good at what you do, but like, I was like, I don't know what this new level is. Like, I don't know what this, it was really scary, but I was like, okay, well, what's the future hope? Maybe future hope who doesn't sign up for it is like safer, but like, what do you see yourself doing? Like, what are you doing in that version of your future that the other version of your future when you're in the mastermind, what are you doing in that one? Kind of like projecting, And I was like, yeah, I don't see myself making a lot of huge leaps, even though I'll feel more safe turning it down and figuring out some like lower way to work with you. Like, yeah, I still, that's why I'm always hesitant to give people advice because I'm like, it was scary as fuck. Like, I'm not going to lie. I haven't thrown up since the second grade, but I will say that I also felt nauseous when I made my first big investment. Yeah, it's scary. Multi-thousand dollar investments and I just, you're just like, uh, literally you have that gut punch where you're just, see, I probably would have thrown up if I don't actively will myself not to, but (laughs) (laughs) no, but for real, like it, it takes a leap. Like nobody's saying it's easy. Nobody's saying, oh, it's just like, you know, it's a natural thing. And then you just like hand over your credit card and you feel totally at ease and then you move forward. Like buying a (laughs) t-shirt. And now Ziggy. Ziggy has announced that he sees two kids walking outside and he's going freaking Ziggy stop. So let's have you wrap this up by telling us, by telling us what you are working on now and how we can connect with you. 
So right now I have a songwriters lab that I'm launching and it's a 12 week songwriter lab that then leads into the EP bootcamp, which is a much longer program all about music production, but it's the fundamentals of songwriting. So I give you guys, first of all, it's a group course with a lot of like handpicked beautiful songwriters and musicians and creators. And uh, we work through some of the artists way to work on like kind of the mental conditioning it takes to really show up strongly as a creative. And we work through a ton of songwriting techniques, lyric generation, songwriting basics, editing techniques, just really all, all foundations of songwriting. And then that leads into if people choose the EP bootcamp, which is music production, setting up your home studio, arranging and orchestrating your own music, production aspects, mixing, and then releasing finally on Spotify, iTunes, et cetera. So that is opening up. I'm very excited. I have seen so much magic come out of these courses of people who didn't identify as songwriters. And then by the end, we're like, well, now I am. And it's been a community that has stuck around. Like it's not people who come by, learn some stuff and leave. They love the program so much that they stick around and they keep communicating with each other and they stay in the loop and they show up for other workshops. And like, we've really built a community. So that's what's coming up next. And yeah. So this course that you're about to launch, Songwriter Lab, is for brand new songwriters and experienced songwriters who just feel like they really want to hone in their craft, right? Yeah. And this is coming from my observation of like some of the people who were in the initial music production courses had written songs before, but they were lacking so much foundation kind of without realizing that they kept getting in a rut with not being able to finish their produced tracks. Mm -hmm. And it was all from structural issues. Yeah. So it's for everybody. I really like the way that I teach. It doesn't matter if you're a beginner or an advanced person. All of the techniques are like, you do your own writing, you do your own version and all of the techniques stand. So you're just working on different levels alongside each other. But it's amazing. You know, some people who've never written before will shock you with how advanced, like once they learn some of these techniques, they just like, rise so quickly yeah that some of the more advanced people in the class are like oh I gotta say but just kidding <laughs> yeah because I think with songwriting you can get into the groove and I remember taking a, um, a musical theater writing class in college and I basically had gotten into this funk where when I was on the piano I like always wrote in like the same rhythm and the same vibe and so eventually actually what I did was I took it to guitar and I remember my the song I presented when I had decided to write on guitar my teacher was like okay we've fine we've like broken through we've gotten to a new thing Mm -hmm. and no matter how long you've been writing it's it's common to get into a funk or just feel like you know you're kind of stuck in the same zone and you and you want to grow out of that and so it even if you are experienced to be able to have something where you know you're going to get a tune-up, a spruce-up, more in- inspiration, community around you, like that is so invaluable and we all need that. And having, I found, a group of people who are actively listening to what you're creating, it changes what you make because it's not you just making something for you that then you put on the internet. Yeah, It's a group of people that are really actively listening and involved and your success is meaningful to them. So they're listening to your song really like, oh, I like that course, but it doesn't quite hit. Like, that's just my honest feedback. I want it to. Yeah. Maybe we try moving these things around, but like, it's almost there. But most people, one of my great, my favorite quotes, I can't remember who said this, was says, 
honesty is a very expensive gift. Don't expect it from cheap people. No, (laughs) really good. And I keep thinking like, because some of my students come in and they're like, I'm nervous to get feedback. Like I'm nervous to put myself out there and, and what people will say. And I'm like, just remember as long as it's not like people putting you down, which no one does in my courses, I do not set up the stage for that at all. Yeah. Um, But I just remind them, I'm like, if someone has listened fully to what you've created and is taking the time to give you honest feedback, that is such a gift of love. And like, like it takes so much for someone to show up for your work like that. Just realize that like, that is such a gift in that moment. Even if the feedback is, I wanted to like that song so much. And for some reason I couldn't pay attention. Like halfway through, I just, my mind was leaving or something. Yeah. It's not a diss. That is a huge compliment that someone took the time and wants, wants more, wants, you know. Totally. So So we'll put the links to apply for a songwriter lab in the description of this episode in the show notes and otherwise hope, where can we follow you and just keep up with what you're doing? Uh, my website, hopelitwin.com, L-I-T-T-W-I-N. And then I'm really active on Instagram. Uh, I've got a budding YouTube channel. There's a lot of music videos already up there. Those are the best places. Website, feel free to join my email list from there. And Instagram, also my music is on Spotify and iTunes and all those places. Perfect. Thank you so much for sharing your experience and your wisdom today. It was so great having you on. Be sure to go follow Hope and we'll talk to you all next week. Bye, everyone. Everyone, uh, join out to launch. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to the Out To Be podcast. If you like this episode, be sure to share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, rate and review it on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. That really helps us spread the message and get this podcast out to even more women in music. For more information on coaching services, head to katiezacardi.com. See you next week.